of what it means to be in relationship with him. In chapter 6, three times he warns his disciples to not be like the hypocrites who give to be seen, who pray to be seen, who fast to be seen by other men. They want to impress those who walk alongside them. And Jesus challenges his disciples, and by proxy us, to go deeper. To not allow our lives in relationship to him to be so empty as to be dependent upon what other people think of us. He wants it to go deeper. He wants us to be rewarded for our labors towards him. Each time, he says, when we give in secret, our Father who sees what is done in secret will reward us. And then with regards to prayer, when we pray in our prayer closet, our Father who sees what is done in secret will reward us. With regards to fasting, which is what we'll talk about next week, your Father who is unseen sees what is done in secret and will reward you. Three times Jesus emphasizes that when we do things, not to be seen by other people, but because of a love relationship with him, because of the new nature that he has given to us, that he intends to reward us. Now how cool is that? That God, the ultimate giver of every good and perfect gift, wants to reward us for the activity we engage in as Christians. It's wonderful. And so today, we're going to talk about prayer. Now, there are a ton of books that have been written about prayer. In my little office, I have a whole shelf of books just on the topic of prayer. So we are not going to exhaust that topic this morning. But I do want to go through uh, the Lord's Prayer and then also discuss a little bit in chapter 7 Jesus' description about the posture or the attitude of prayer. Now, what is prayer? Prayer simply is speaking to God and God speaking to us. Prayer is a two-way street. It's communion with God. It's a building relationship with him. It's so much more than simply going to him with a list of petitions and needs. Although, as we'll see this morning, that's a part of it. But it goes much farther than that. I want to start off by reading out of Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus wants us to enter into prayer with two things in mind. With an attitude of faith, believing that God intends first to hear us, but secondly to answer us. It's not wasted time. We're not speaking to the air. It's probably the most productive, fruitful thing that any one of us can do as a Christian. That is to pray. Jesus says that we should have an attitude also of persistence in prayer. 
in the Greek where it says, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Literally, it says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking, seeking, and knocking. To illustrate this, Jesus in in Luke chapter 18 told a story of a widow. And he says, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you that he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So there's that tandem of faith and persistence that we need to apply to prayer. It requires both. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The persistence to ask and keep on asking. To seek and keep on seeking. To knock and keep on knocking. Until we have, as the widow, received justice. But to also ask in faith. Look at what he says back in Matthew chapter 7. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So God is prone to answer our prayers. In fact, the Bible says that He already knows what we have need of before we even ask. So He's prepared with the knowledge, but also with the resources and the wisdom to respond to our requests. I know you've all heard the Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers. But isn't that a true statement? If I go back and look at some of the things that I prayed for when I was younger, I would be so messed up right now if God had answered those prayers. Honestly. You've had that same experience. So God has the knowledge, the wisdom, but also the resources to meet our needs. In prayer, and he'll he'll address that um, as we come to him. Now, a lot of times, people are so concerned about the technique or uh, the amount of time that is spent in prayer. And I want to suggest to you here this morning that while both of those things could be important, um, really they are not nearly as important to God as is your heart when you approach him. Where's your heart at? Are you just going through the motions? Are you just showing up, repeating a list over and over? See, Jesus 
warns against that. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full because they've been seen, and that's really what they were looking for. But later, he says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So it's not a matter of technique or of time, but it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of, as we shall see here in a moment, relationship. This is then how you should pray, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this is a model prayer. Jesus did not intend for us to necessarily repeat this prayer, although I have to say, I have often done that, and I suspect many of you have as well. It's a wonderful prayer to pray if your heart's in the right place, if you're not just being like the pagans and babbling it on. But if you're saying these words with a heart of meaning and anticipation, with persistence and faith, they're powerful. But it certainly is a model for us about how we should approach prayer and how we should understand the power of prayer. Stop and think about this just for a moment. Now, if someone were to come to you and to offer you the keys to Fort Knox, and says, you know what? It just so happens that I have become the possessor of Fort Knox, and I want to give a large amount of what is within Fort Knox, the gold positioned there, to you. What would we think of that person who said, you know what? Not really interested. You know, I'm doing just fine don't really need that kind of wealth. You might sort of scratch your head and think, okay, this person has all of this wealth available to them, and yet they're rejecting it. They're turning away from the opportunity to receive it and to use it. That's oftentimes how it is with us. Because I'm going to tell you, through prayer, we have the keys to a storehouse vastly superior to Fort Knox. We have the resources of heaven itself, the creator. And again, it's really not about receiving, but it's more about relationship. Let's get into that. Our Father in heaven. Isn't it interesting? Two things I want to point out from that phrase. First, that it's not my Father, which is in heaven, but our Father, denoting relationship within the body of Christ. Our Father. That there is a communal relationship that we experience as Christians with one another. Jointly, we are the children, the sons, and the daughters of God. But more importantly, we are in relationship 
with him. We are able to call him our father. As I read to you in the call to worship this morning out of Romans chapter 8, he's not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of adoption, whereby we may call unto him, Abba, Father. So the very first thing that we need to understand about prayer is prayer is all about relationship. It truly is. Vertical, or excuse me, horizontal relationship with one another and vertical relationship with Him. Our Father in heaven. As I mentioned, we can talk to God about anything. We can commune with Him and communicate with Him at any time of the day. Try to get an appointment today with the president. See how you do. But I'll tell you what, if you want to talk to God, if you want to come before His throne of grace, if you want to receive help in time of need, I can absolutely assure you on the basis of the authority of the Word of God that He will receive you, that He will hear you, and that He will provide for you. Because of that relationship. Hallowed be your name. So the word hallowed means glorious, revered, awesome is your name. So as we enter into prayer, we need to understand that we are, again, not speaking with the air, but we are communicating with the creator of the universe, the one who spoke into existence everything that we see and everything that we do not see. A powerful, awesome, incredible name. The study of the name of God is fascinating. But I just want to read one scripture to you out of John chapter 14 that reflects this phrase. Jesus is speaking here. It's in the upper room. And he says to his disciples, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have done, and they will even do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do, listen, whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So knowing the name of God, reverencing it, hallowing it, understanding the power that is afforded us in the name of Jesus Christ. Now again, That's not about just speaking a word. There's a story in the book of Acts about a Jewish exorcist that attempted to exorcise uh, demons using the name of Jesus. And he said to this demon-possessed man, I adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out of him. And the demon responded, Now, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the demon-possessed man jumped him, assaulted him because he didn't have relationship with which to use the name. But when we have a relationship with our Father in heaven and we hallow his name, there is power in that name. There is authority in that name. Jesus himself says, ask whatsoever you wish in my name and I will do it for you. So the name of Jesus carries with it authority and power. And then verse 10, 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a, a verse that I fear we far too often fail to keep in mind when we pray. We don't stop and ask ourselves, is this prayer in alignment with God's will? Is what I'm asking for what God wants here on earth, just as it is in heaven? Or is it just my own selfish desires? That's what James said about prayer. He said, so many of you don't receive what you ask for because you ask for it amiss. You just ask for it because of your greedy passions, and you're just trying to get what you want. We need to stop and think about the will of God in every situation. And where we don't know the will of God, there is the power of the word of God to inform us. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. So when we pray the word of God, we pray the will of God. I want to say that again. When we pray the word of God, we pray the will of God. So when you pray, it's not a bad thing to do to have your Bible opened before you. But sometimes, even as we have the Word of God before us, we're not exactly sure how to apply the Word of God to a situation, to determine whether or not, or to discern whether or not, this particular Scripture applies to this particular situation. But God has still given us yet more resource. Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit that dwells within every believer, Paul says, helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us according to the will of God. So when we have the Word of God aligned with the Spirit of God, we are able to ultimately arrive at the will of God in our prayers. If, if you're finding that your prayers are not being answered, if your prayer time seems unfruitful, stop and ask yourself about verse 10 here. Am I really praying about God's will being done? Or am I praying about my will being done? There's a beautiful scripture in Revelation chapter 4. No, excuse me, it's in chapter 5. He's in the throne room. John is in the throne room of God. In the eternal throne room of God. Not constrained by time or space. And he sees a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Now, stop and think about this for just a moment. This is a scene that is pregnant with meaning. Christ, the Savior, is coming before the throne of God to receive from the Father the title deed of the earth, which he earned by shedding his blood on the cross. And in the midst of that scene, where this 
eternal God who died for us is asserting His authority. We read this. Each one of the elders had a harp and they were playing, or excuse me, they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So when you go into your prayer closet tonight, your prayers are touching eternity as they pray, or as you pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's powerful, church. That is extraordinary. Every drop that pours out from your mouth that is aligned with the will of God finds its way into this incredible scene before the throne of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now there's the petition. The power of provision within prayer. God will give us what we need. It's His good pleasure, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, to give to us the kingdom of God. And and as He points out uh, there in chapter 7, Even we know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more is he going to give to us what we need? So when we need daily bread, provision, whatever that provision might be. I mean, he says daily bread here, and of course, that's talking about food, but all of your needs, your clothing, your shelter, your relational needs, all of those things, God will provide for you. He delights in providing for us what we need. It's his good pleasure to do that. So give us today our daily bread. It is never a wrong thing to go before the throne of grace and to seek help in time of need. I need a job. I need healing. I need this relationship to be restored. Whatever your need is, ask. And it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It's not selfish. It's what God has directed us to do. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now here is an important aspect of successful prayer. It says in Isaiah 59.2 that our sins separate us from the Father. And The psalmist wrote, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. So we need to receive forgiveness. Again, this is part of being in relationship, in right relationship with him. We need to be forgiven and we need to extend that same kind of forgiveness. Again, the relational thing, vertical, horizontal. We need to be in right relationship with the Father and with our brothers and sisters. Don't go into your prayer closet expecting to receive from God what you need if you are harboring sin in your life. If you are angry towards a brother or sister or if you have chosen not to forgive them for whatever reason, don't anticipate that God is going to answer you. But very quickly, if you say, Lord, forgive. And Lord, I forgive. 
very quickly, the father will say, yes, my child. Because of the blood of my son, I hear you. Because of your soft heart, I am ready to answer you. So forgive us our debts. This is a big one. This is a big one that people struggle with in prayer because we, all of us, at different points in time, don't we? Harbor sin. We all at different points in time remain angry with someone. Well, I'm not going to forgive him until he asks for an apology. I'm not going to extend it. He was the one that wronged me. What does it say in Romans chapter 5? God, while we were yet His enemies, sent His Son to shed His blood on our behalf. So forgiveness is a huge one. Don't expect a successful or a fruitful prayer life or power in your prayer life if you're harboring sin or unforgiveness. Verse 13, this is a big one. Lead us not into temptation. The the word there in the the Greek really more accurately could be conveyed as testing because God doesn't tempt anyone. But he does allow us to go through testing. He does allow circumstances in our lives to occur that challenge us, that cause us to grow in faith, that cause us to step outside of ourselves and into dependence upon him. So, when we enter into those testings, we should enter into them with an attitude of prayer, with an attitude of interaction with God and His sustaining power. Lead us not into temptation. Literally, it could be read as, be with me through the testing. And have you been there? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you're going through a particularly challenging time or someone you love is going through a particularly challenging time and you are praying for them. This is, this is the verse that you can claim. Be with us, Father. Hear us in this time of struggle, in this time of challenge. Go through the fire with us. And deliver us from the evil one. Now, that we are in a state of spiritual warfare is, I think, fairly obvious to any Christian who is paying attention. You do have an enemy out there. There is a devil that wants to destroy you. The verse up here, John 10.10, which is our vision statement, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do you know what precedes those words in the scriptures? The thief comes to rob and to kill and to destroy. You have an enemy who wants to do exactly that to you. You are in a pitch spiritual battle. Not just for your own welfare, but for those whom you love. Particularly, perhaps, those whom you love who do not know the gospel, who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ. And you're interceding for them. Satan is doing everything he can to deceive them into believing that they do not need a Savior. Prayer is the key. 
in or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul is talking to the Ephesians about the weapons of their warfare, the spiritual battle that they are in. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And he goes through and talks about all of these powerful weapons that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. But he concludes this whole section about spiritual warfare with this statement. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people and for me also, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I might make known fearlessly the mystery of the gospel. Prayer is literally the glue that holds it all together. Prayer is what is going to give you the victory in this spiritual warfare that you are engaged in. That's what Jesus is saying here. Deliver us from the evil one. Give us victory over the satanic forces, those dark forces that are trying to destroy us. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I started off by saying we must enter into prayer through relationship. We conclude in prayer with an acknowledgement of the fact that he's sitting on the throne. He's not up there scrambling around trying to figure out how is this all going to work out. He's on the throne. His is the kingdom. His is the power. And His is the glory. The one to whom we pray through the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, His is the glory. And He is your Abba. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You. You have given us an extraordinarily powerful opportunity to enter into communication with you. And not just relationship, although that is wonderful, but access to your throne room of grace to receive help in time of need. To assure ourselves that your kingdom will come. And so help us, each one of us here this morning, Lord God, to grow in our prayer time. I'm not telling anybody here when they should pray or how often they should pray, just that they should pray. Help us, each one of us, Lord, to step into that prayer life with you and to begin to experience the fruitfulness, the joy that is attached to conversing with you each and every day. The Apostle Paul said that we are to rejoice evermore and to pray without ceasing. Help us, Lord, to find joy in that journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand up and we're going to conclude with the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
who have not received one of my booklets, it's back on the table. Please pick one up. It's called Without Ceasing, Devotional Teachings on Prayer. It's a great introductory into the life of prayer and the power of prayer. So please pick that up. Also, just remember to, uh, excuse me, on our website, there is a sign-up for a daily, not a daily, well, we have a daily devotional in there too, but also a prayer uh, list. And so if you are willing to pray as needs arise, please remember to sign up for that. I want to activate the power of prayer in this church because ultimately that is what changes things. May the Lord richly bless you and may his face shine upon you. May the Holy Spirit so fill each one of you that his light shines out from you. Go in the power and the grace and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.